0: In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by
1: a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum-security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else
0: can help, them, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libre Cristo
1: War call. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, talking about all things Catholic spiritual warfare. Kyle, I'm on duty, brother, what about you? Are you on duty? I am, Jesse, always. Awesome. We are two uh, servants of God, soldiers for Christ in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ for th- to promote the social kingship of Christ and under the uh, patronage of Our Lady, Virgin Most Powerful. Kyle, a lot to talk about today. Just uh <clears throat> Something that's is con- that concerns me. Um, we're starting to see here in our country these demonic statues that are cropping up in different cities. They're being put up by the left, by leftist organizations, leftist uh, corporations, uh, and that concerns me because I remember when I was a cop, what gang members do when gang members take over a certain part of the city. They they put graffiti all over that section, and that tells people this is ours. It's a warning. You just entered into our zone, into our, you know, into our territory. To me, it seems Kyle, like if the left, with this golden horn female statue, that was made by a, a Pakistani-born artist. <clears throat> it's an eight-foot-tall golden statue on the top of a New York City courthouse. It looks like Medusa, who we re- who reject rebuke and renounce in Jesus' name, go to the foot of the cross, that Jesus Christ may do with you as He wills. This awful golden Egyptian pagan—well, some some say this an Egyptian pagan god named Nefertem. Somebody else says that it's a Hindu god Vishnu. Uh, nonetheless, these these statues are cropping up more and more all over the country, and you have another one. The satanic temples also put another statue of uh of baphomet who we reject rebuke and renounce in jesus name uh they've uh, put that statue i'm looking here at the article what what city that they do that at um yes yeah, so the satanic temple opens telehealth abortion clinic to o- so that's in new mexico that's in dr dan schneider's area dan i mean uh, kyle what is the reason you believe the left, the, these Luciferians, these diabolical forces, are erecting these statues of Satan? Am I onto something? Where I tell you that gang members mark a territory once they control it? Are these guys trying to say, you know what? We're here. We're out of the closet, and this belongs to us. What's what do you think is the symbol behind this?
0: And so you're exactly right. Uh, Jesse but when you talk about marking of territory this is something primal this goes this is not unique to humans dogs do it bears do it lions do it wolves do it we mark territory Um, and so this is the the predominant in a and in a territorial uh, fight what happens is the markers the beacons the boundaries um, are under contention the the boundaries. And so Mm -hmm. wars are fought over boundaries. Um, And so what's happening is what you're seeing is there is a taking over of America, especially the public square. We are neo-pagan. We're no longer Christian because you're seeing these pagan images go up uncontested. And so what happened, what preceded that was the Christian images were taken down Um, 10 commandments off courthouse lawns um, crosses off public buildings All of these things, if you can remember, and there were those of us who said, this is the trajectory. This is what will happen is those images are going to come down. And then to fill that void, to fill that vacuum is going to be blasphemous images, images of pagan uh, entities and images that are against Christianity. We said this. We said it 20 years ago. And so what you're not ever going to get from the left is a mea culpa. You're not ever going to get the recognition that, well, you were right we were wrong, and here we are. Um, there were those who were saying very clearly that when you voted for pro-abortion candidates as a Catholic, you needed to do public penance, public reparation, as you saw the, your elected officials now dismantle the vestiges, what was left of Christianity in our government. It's very simple, it's becoming very, very plain. This is a battle against good and evil. And let me be very clear. I'm not saying one political party is better. I'm telling you that that politics in general is rotten. And some are the epitome of rottenness when they openly promote child sacrifice and all of these other things. Well, this is the logical progression if good men do not stand up in the square and say no more. This is wrong. And this is not art any more than graffiti is art. It is a clear boundary marking. It's a clear marking and saying this is ours.
1: Yep. That's what gangs do. And that's exactly what cartels do as well. They mark their territories. And this is, this is a left, the Luciferian left marking their territory. And you can also see, Kyle, they're, uh, they're, they're out of the closet The Luciferian satanic left, they're out of the closet. They are not ashamed to boldly show and demonstrate and proclaim what they believe in. Over the weekend, apparently, there was the the Grammy Awards, and one of the uh, uh, two singers, I think Sam Smith and a female, both of them consider themselves non binary musicians. They performed a satanic laced performance during the Grammy Awards. And you have all these actors and entertainers on both sides giving them a standing ovation once they were done. It was a—I f- don't know if you saw some of it. It's all over the web. People are passing around articles and videos. I could only watch ten seconds of it. It was a complete satanic ritual, and you have the Hollywood elites standing up and giving them a standing ovation when it was done. Uh, so we we, we have. The left is pushing this through Hollywood, through entertainment. They're pushing this through politics, as we see with the statue here that's sitting, uh, you know, that's uh, given in recognition of uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And uh, the genie's out of the box right now, Kyle. There's uh, these people, they feel emboldened. And they feel like, you know what, this is what we believe. And uh, what are you going to do about it? Comments? Oh, you're precisely
0: right. And they're going to go, the The principle is the angel will only go where he's invited and the demon will go everywhere he is not resisted. And one of the reasons he's in the public square is because we didn't resist him in our homes. We didn't resist him in our churches. We didn't stand and say, no, not in this church. We did not call prelates into account. We didn't call politicians into account. We, um, and they are good, well-meaning, uh, Catholics who participated in this, who thought that the corporal works of mercy had a primacy over the spiritual works of mercy. And in doing that, we abandoned the cause, uh, we abandoned the banner of salvation, and now we exist under the banner of ecumenicism, all get along, um, and the false peace and false unity that is, quote, coexistence. This is spiritual warfare. It's not spiritual negotiation, spiritual detente, spiritual can't we all get along. This is spiritual warfare.
1: You know, Kyle, I know several Hollywood actors, uh, and, uh, you know, Father Ripperger knows them as well. We we, we, we collaborate with them. <clears throat> several of them have told me that if you're a practicing Catholic or an evangelical, you you just— essentially have to keep your head low in hollywood if you want to get a job if you want to get any work you have to just kind of keep your mouth shut or just kind of break off and start your own thing like mel gibson has done for example with icon productions and and, and a few others uh, eduardo Verástegui he's broke off and started his own thing Metanoia productions uh <clears throat> but this uh this is this it reminds me we need another i forget which which was the king in the old testament that smashed the statues of the pagan gods. We need we need a leader to say enough of this and denounce these statues and say, just like the left. The left comes after our statues. Saint Junita Posierra, we gotta tear this down, we gotta tear these statues of Catholic saints down because you know of white privilege or whatever the, the, the left claims. Uh, I'd like to see another uh, I forget the great king in the old testament. That started tearing down, smashing down the the statues uh, of of the diabolical, you know, the the, the 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 pagans back in the Old Testament. We need the same counterpart today, that somebody would stand up and say, you know what, enough. This doesn't represent America. I think
0: you're right. It would be good to rally around a a leader, a Hezekiah, if you would, someone yeah, okay, who would has, stand up yeah. to the distra. To the destroyer, Sinasharib, who would destroy the people of God. That would be good. However, you've also got a situation where that leader is not going to come from Ecclesia. Uh, he's not going to come out of the church. The when the, So when the church is lost, the hierarchy of the church is lost in in majority, then you're looking more at a Hasmonean response, a Maccabean response. Because if you remember, Judas Maccabeus was a layman, and he said, "No more." You're looking for that eunuch response uh, when Jehu looked up on the wall and the and caught the eye of the eunuchs on either side of Jezebel, and they threw her to her death. That's what you're looking for, and that's what's going to happen, and it should happen in this one, and and we'll get to that point. It's uh, is the those who know what is right will become inspired um, and, and do what is right. So while we pray for that, we've got to be part of that. We've got to constantly bear witness to the truth. We've got to point out that when you've got prelates who are perpetuating pedophilia, homosexuality, and deviancy of all kinds under the, the cowardice of inclusion, then you have to call them out and say, no, that is inconsistent with our faith. We care more about the conversion of their soul than we do allowing them to live in depravity and sin that will ultimately distance them from God.
1: Heartbreak, Kyle. We'll be right back. War Call. Wednesday War Call Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, All Things Spiritual Warfare on Wednesdays. Kyle, how can people people listen to you throughout the week? Uh, What apostolic works are you involved in? Give people an update.
0: Thank you, Jesse, for the opportunity. So the place to go for all of those things is net. And among uh, several of the things that we've got going is uh, Father Ripperger is going to give some retreats. Uh, up in Wyoming, he and I will give uh, father, son, mother, daughter, and a new one uh, that we've got available is for single men, 18 to 30. I would strongly recommend you look into this and go to the website. You can look into the particulars, but it's for single men, either betrothed or considering vocation or in seminary um, to take that retreat with Father Ripperger and I up in the Wind River Mountains in Wyoming. Um, be a, it'd be a limited, very limited enrollment but that's a new one that we've added. Um, there's going to be, there are zoom retreats. There are all kinds of things on that website along with a lot of free recordings and, um, YouTubes and other recordings. There's a lot of, uh, resources there under media. You can just go to the media tab and the newest thing that we've done, we started January the 1st, we're doing a daily reflection called reclamation theology. This is a five- to eight-minute reflection. Every morning, it's going to be there on your uh, podcast. You can click on it, um, and it's going to give you a traditional view of the day. It's going to talk about the saint of the day, the liturgy. For instance, in the traditional calendar, this particular time of the year is Septimagesima Sundays, these three Sundays leading up to Ash Wednesday. And in this is a time that the church traditionally turned from, celebration toward penance, uh, and so we're gradually going into the penitential season of Lent, and it's the time of Christ's public ministry where He's working His signs. He's becoming more manifest, and so there's some particular saints and some particular liturgical observances that we've lost and we've forgotten. So anyway, that daily reflection and reclamation theology, I would ask you to very much consider it. It's $10 a month, 30 cents a day, um, and it gives you an insight and an orientation as to what 's happening in the traditional calendar and what should be happening in our hearts. Um, the preservation of the faith is very very is going to be very important in these upcoming times, and we're seeing it more so now as our prelates are struggling to redefine many of our fallen prelates, many of them under false delusion, are trying to redefine our faith and We've got, to hold close, we've got to hold tight to, to St. Paul says, to that oral tradition, to what is written, to what is the 19th centuries preceding um, the council. So post-conciliar, um, we look at all these times that were post-conciliar. And so the further you get away from the, the council, if we had a two-degree deviation 50 years ago, how far are we apart now from the true mm-hmm. faith? And so we're nearing the time that another council will draw us back into into right relationship. But this has been the church's history as we go from council to council. And the times right before the next council are the most dark.
1: Got it. Also, March 25th and 26th, we're having our Southern California Spiritual Warfare Conference at St. Joseph's Catholic Church. You can register by going to vmpr.org, vmpr.org. we got an incredible lineup. We have Bishop Strickland. We have Father Chad Ripperger. We have Kyle Clement, who's Father Ripperger's right hand man, and then we have Doctor Dan Schneider, who's also part of uh, the Liber Cristo team. He's part of the instructor staff at Liber Christo. and then you, I will be your host. Can't wait! I will. I'm going to try to be your holy host, but nonetheless, I'll be your host. Uh, to present all these these men and their and, and the great wisdom that they have to share with the audience. So that's March 25th and 26th. You can go to vnpr.org to register for that spiritual warfare conference. <clears throat> also, Kyle, over the weekend, uh, I was over uh, in Colorado the last couple of days. I was uh, speaking in different churches in Spanish and in English. I met uh, Bishop Aquila. I spoke at a Legatus meeting. And uh, Bishop, Archbishop Aquila, my hat's off to him. And I told him in front of the whole audience, hundred 25, 30 people from the goddess there. I said, this archbishop is a man's man. He, he, he published, uh, a response in a column, uh, to his brother, Bishop Cardinal Robert McElroy and, uh, essentially correcting him in charity and, uh, emphasizing that the, the joy of unity, it comes at the expense of the truth. And so just wanted my hats off to Archbishop Aquila, uh, it took a lot of uh took a lot of courage, a lot of backbone to do what he did. It's that doesn't happen very often where one brother bishop corrects somebody else, so moving you're right
0: precise, along you're precise. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah uh yeah, he's got a he's got a steel spine him him Bishop Strickland, we're getting more and more that have a steel spine, and that's good to see <clears throat> Kyle, this is the favorite segment of a lot of people that are listening to the Wednesday War College. They just absolutely are raving about the fact that you're explaining how to use these prayers, when they're used, the proper usage of these prayers, who can use them. And so now we want to go to page 45. This is common to everybody that the renewal of baptismal promises. Tell us about the theology of this prayer. I know we do it once or twice a year in uh, in the Novus Ordo Mass. We do it out loud. Uh, and that's a public rejection of Satan, his empty promises. And we accept God the Trinity as well. This prayer should be used privately by whom and when and in what circumstances.
0: So it's a good one. This is a good go to for the domestic church and and children, especially young people in the in the domestic church. When you're looking for some of those prayers um, and to constantly affirm faith practices, for instance, uh, you may start just an impromptu Uh, response section uh, with your children, the father leading, um, our help is in the name of the Lord. And then you would teach them to have the response who made heaven and earth. And then do you reject Satan? And there should be a resounding I do. And that's individual. It's not we do it's I do. And so this is that orientation of the creed, the orientation of baptismal promises, the, the ministry of baptism. This brings the individual Um, You can't hide in community. This is, do you reject Satan? And the the requisite response, I do. And all his works, I do. And all his empty promises, I do. So now we've had the threefold rejection. This is the renounce and rebuke and reject formula that we developed in Libra Cristo. And so it follows the baptismal promises. Now there's the infilling. So you've, you've renounced. Now, what do you announce? What do you believe? What do you, what do you say? What are you bound by? What are your credo? Do you believe in God, the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? And so when they say, I do, this is this statement. Anytime you doubt, anytime that you worry, Anytime you um, are seeing the eye of the world look in upon you critically, say these promises. Because if you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, this is an act of faith. This is an act of faith that says, I will not worry. I will trust in providence. I will trust in God because trust and fear cannot occupy the same space. So if, you, if you're feeling those things, this is a good time to do this. Now, do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord? And then we get into some very specifics. Who was born of the Virgin Mary, was crucified, died, and was buried, rose from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. So this, is, this addresses all the heretical statements, essentially, all the heresies with regard to um, our Lord Jesus Christ. So in a couple of days on Reclamation Theology, we're going to discuss St. Cyril of Alexandria. A good example of these councils is in 440 at the Council of Ephesus, he's having to defend the statements that were made definitively at Nicaea in 321, 100 years before, where Mary was the first Marian dogma, Mary was Theotokos. She was declared mother of God. Well, the story, uh, Nostris was, was saying that she was mother of Christ and that there is a difference. And so this was, a, this was a heresy that wasn't completely stamped out at Nicaea. And so then Cyril has to address this. But when you're reading and saying these things, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Do you believe that he's God? Do you believe that he was incarnate? You see how all of this works. Who was born of the Virgin Mary? Well, she's the mother of God. She's perpetual virgin. When you say the Virgin Mary, this is a particular connotation, a particular understanding, a particular theology that when you say this, this is now projected out into the cosmos. Was crucified, died, and was buried. Rose from the dead. Do you believe in the resurrection? Incidentally, the resurrection is one of the most anciently documented and best documented ancient occurrences. We have it in the Roman record, the Jewish record, and the Christian record. There's very few things upon which they agree totally, but they agree upon this. It is now seated at the right hand of the Father. So to be seated at the right hand of the Father is a position of judgment. So this is much deeper than just the words. And then finally, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? So we've named all three persons of the Trinity. We, these, are, this, these baptismal promises are de facto an act of faith, hope, and charity. They're an act that affirms the triune God. And incidentally, the, the God that we worship is a triune God. He is not the God of the Mohammedans. He is not the God of Islam. He is a triune God. And many people say, well, the God of Abraham is the God of Islam." No, Abraham worshiped a triune God. He entertained that triune God at the Tenebrae at Mambres when the promise was made to Sarah. So you, you, all of this cuts really, really deep. And you can spend as much time on it as you'd like. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church? Okay, the Holy Catholic Church, do you believe that there is no salvation outside the church? That's one of the dog- dogmas that's still on the books. Do you think that some of the modern prelates mm-hmm. ascribe to that? Do you think they believe it?
1: Not
0: They're not all... living it. Yeah. Especially, especially when one of them says Jesus Christ is the preferred option to attain mm. heaven. Yep. The communion of saints, the per-
1: one of the successors of, of, of the apostles said that.
0: <laughs> correct. He did. He's on record as saying it. And there's been no public sack, sackcloth, ashes, or mea culpa to rescind the statement. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Do you believe all of those things? I mean, it's interesting I that.
1: Do, I do, I do, I do.
0: In this. Re- if I do, I do, I do, right. It's interesting that if you ask someone who has become a citizen of the United States, you ask them, what is the oath of citizenship? And they'll recognize this formula. You renounce your former country, your former allegiances. You renounce all of those things. Wow. And you pledge allegiance to the United States in three in three areas. It, it is the formula of the baptismal hard promises.
1: Hard break, my friend. We'll be right back. Wednesday, War College, Just from Romero College. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, Romans 2 8, wrath and fury to those who selfishly disobey the truth and obey wickedness. Talking with Kyle Clement about Father Ripperger's book. It's called Deliverance Prayers for the Lady. He's giving us an explanation of, uh, of the who, what, what, when, why, and how to use these prayers. Kyle, now we go into another section of the book. It's part two. It's this Prayers of Devotion. And the first prayer is prayer to Almighty, to our Almighty Father uh, from St. Augustine. This prayer is, uh, all these prayers would be, what type of prayers? Would they be deprecatory prayers in nature?
0: Yeah, they're they're not so much deprecatory as they are formative. And so what in these prayers of devotion and in devotion, what one is allowing or asking is the Lord to be present to them in such a way as to reform, rehabilitate. Um, and so these are reparatory prayers. They are reparative in nature. They're recreational in nature, meaning uh, to recreate, to to make again in the image, um, and to really work on relationship with with Christ. So they follow the the prayers uh, in this, the spiritual warfare prayers and the direct prayers, many of which are imprecatory. And it's apropos that we end with the baptismal promises. That the battle has um, subsided a little bit, and we get a little bit of retreat, we get a little bit of distance. Now, what we need to do is clean our weapons, repair, uh, rejuvenate, get ready for the next firefight, get net ready for the next round. And that's what these prayers, these devotional prayers, uh, are for. Is uh, they're the R and R section, if you will. Um, and so that's the purpose of devotion: is to draw one closer and to repair damage
1: they are they're all they're also beautiful if you could just give kind of a quick uh uh exegesis on each one i mean can, it could be brief the prayer to our to our almighty father obviously god the father is the source of everything uh, he's the apex of the universe everything comes from him he's not only our father but he created everything out of nothing and so this prayer again it's a a, a reparatory prayer as you said uh this is; these are prayers to build our relationship with God through Christ. Correct. That's that's
0: exactly right, and so I think it's important to have some functional knowledge of the saints because you get uh, some some focal point or some some idea. Now, Saint Augustine's a doctor of the Church as well as Saint Thomas, doctor of the Church, but they write from two very very different perspectives. Saint Thomas, having lived a life of of absolute purity, of of virginal purity throughout his whole life and a clarity of intellect. There was no such thing um, as confusion or habitual mortal sin. Augustine, on the other hand, comes at it from the same concept, the same God from a different uh, relationship. And that was one who had engaged in great depravity and great abuse of his own body um, in his sinful state before he converted. So these two saints are going to come at these, Things differently, So when you see that St. Augustine to the right, then you immediately are going to think, okay, this guy's writing from that perspective of realization that he's a great sinner. He wrote the Confessions of St. Augustine. Everything that he writes is this return. St. Thomas writes as if he never left. St. Thomas is the mm-hmm. dutiful, properly oriented older son um, in the prodigal. St. Augustine writes from the prodigal perspective. Makes sense, and so when you see that, yeah, it, it gives you some insight. So he says, "Almighty Father, again, Almighty Father, the sinner is not recognizing that." One of the benefits of the Psalm fifty-one, "Have mercy on me, O Lord, a sinner," is the recognition that what we have done has damaged a relationship with God the Father. When we go to confession, we're going to be reconciled to God the Father through Christ the Son. That's a very important imagery. So Got Almighty it. Father, come into, our, come into our hearts and so fill us with thy love that forsaking all evil desires we may embrace thee, our only good. One could spend a whole day contemplating that one sentence because the movement is, first of all, we have to be open and fill us with thy love, that forsaking all even evil desires. Here is a theological principle, that all evil desires, our heart has to be open and nothing inconsistent with the will of God, if we're going to invite God in there. We may embrace thee, our only good. Our only good is, can we say that? I mean, these prayers are extremely powerful when you just stop taste the words, and say, I'm inviting God into a corpus, into me, and there may be elements in there that are inconsistent with, with him. Do I have love of neighbor? Do I have love of enemy? Is there anything in me that impedes the flow of grace or imple- impedes the flow of charity? And so these are, this is the power of these kind of prayers. Show us, O Lord our God, that thou art to us. Say to our souls, I am your salvation speak so that we may hear our hearts are before thee. open our ears. Let us hasten after thy voice. This, this whole imagery puts us into a seeking. It's going to be really, really hard. If you are disposed, if you've made it this far into the prayer, I dare you to criticize anything. Hmm. I dare you. Because this brings us into that perfect, Uh, position of charity everything is providential everything is due to thanksgiving now we may point out that it's not good it's unclean but we can't criticize God for allowing it to happen and that's the criticism I'm talking about we can't, no matter what we observe and we're called to make judgments on whether things are clean or unclean that criticism can't go to God everything is providential does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. And that's where a lot of low-information Catholics and secular humanists, that's the big argument. Oh, if, if, he, if, uh, if there's a loving God, why does evil exist? And so this is the perfect theological prayer for that question, for that query from people that say that. Uh, again, it's all within God's plan. It's all within the providence of God. Uh, we know that God will bring, bring good out of evil, uh, if not now, at the very end. And so, yeah, this makes a a lot lot of sense the way you're explaining it. And I also like the way it really uh, unlocked this prayer when you talk about St. Augustine writes from the perspective of somebody who was unclean and he came to a life of order and cleanliness. He writes from the the standpoint of a prodigal son where St. Thomas, uh, the angelic doctor, uh, writes from his prayers are written more from a standpoint of somebody who's always been at home with the father and always... uh, uh, pursuit a life of virtue that that makes complete sense now when you look at the way they write their prayers that just kind of unlocked my understanding that was that was a uh, a very a deep insight thanks kyle
0: oh you're most welcome i, I think that we spend um it, it, as a point of discipline you can take one day in one prayer and just mine it continue to read it and let it uh provoke thought. There's a reflection in that collection uh, you'll find on Montecristo.net that is, it talks about the gift, the eviction of Adam and Eve from the garden is actually a gift. It's actually a mercy. We know that God, um, he wills. He doesn't want, he doesn't, uh, he's not thwarted and in in, he doesn't plan. He wills and what he wills is union. And so we can, if you see in light of that, then your faith purifies your reason. And you see, okay, if he did this directly, he expelled them from the garden, then it has to be an act of mercy. Let's see what that looks like. And then God goes on and speaks in Trinitarian form and says, um, better that we should expel them from the garden before they find the tree of life and live forever in this sinful state. And that, movement that understanding augustine writes on the uh, the gift that is uh, the the expulsion or the eviction and the gift that is the deep compunction the shame that the sinner finally feels when he re- receives that prick of conscience this prayer is designed to scrub that wound whenever we feel that prick of conscience let's get everything out that is not of god so that we may be full of that which is god
1: that's a deep insight, Kyle, uh, that, that that's really deep. That way they were banished from the garden uh, to keep them from fighting, finding the tree of, of, of the tree of life. Uh, as, as you said, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which would have brought him. Uh, how do you repeat it one more time? That was uh, that, that that gave me a, an intellectual Charlie horse. say that again.
0: So, what he's saying is that, um, and and some of the early fathers said this, Augustine says this among them, is that ultimately the eviction, if you look at everything in light of faith purifying reason, and we use our reason, so God evicted them. We know that God is love, we know that God wills union. Therefore, the eviction has to be consistent with that love. There's the hard thing that our prelates are not seeing is the eviction from the, the safety of the church, the understanding that your actions have consequences and your, one of the consequences of your action is loss of union. That's precisely what we're seeing in the modern prelature today is when they're wanting to say that you can, you, you can receive this mercy without amendment. And that's inconsistent with Catholicism. And so Augustine was writing that the eviction is actually mercy if we use our reason in light of faith, knowing what we know about God, absolute truth that he desires union for all souls. No souls are excluded other than by their actions. And so by their actions, they may be now included, and that action includes repentance. Saint, This is Augustine writing in his Confessions— he says we must do that to address uh, the wrong, to address that which has damaged the relationship. But God's, uh, the Father said that the eviction from the garden is a mercy because God's speaking in Genesis. If they find the tree of life, then they're going to live forever in this apostate uh-huh. state. If we,
1: if we don't stand, if we don't do. All right, Kyle, stick around so one more is- segment. Wednesday War College Heartbreak we'll be right back It looks to me like this section of the book of the deliverance prayers for the lady, starting from part two, prayers of devotion, it seems to me that I I could also define all these this section of prayers. They're prayers of adoration, but they're also prayers of personal petition and personal supplication for yourself. And I you know, it's funny the way Protestants are always asking Catholics, have you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart? All these prayers, and when you look at just the, the litany of Catholic prayers. Uh, A a good chunk of Catholic prayers actually uses that phraseology, you know, may God come into my heart, you know, Lord come into my heart. it's, It's interesting that Catholics, when they're asked that question by Protestants, they should say, of course I do. I've been accepting Jesus Christ into my heart, you know we we've been doing that as catholics since 33 AD. This is not something that Billy Graham taught us. This is something that's part and parcel of of Roman Catholicism. Just like this prayer twice it calls, you know, uh it, it, almighty father come into our hearts, uh, open our hearts, uh open our let us hasten after thee. uh oh lord open our hearts so that thou may enter in. This this is it, so next time any Catholic is asked, have you accepted Jesus Christ as personally? Say, you guys learned that from us. We didn't learn it from you guys. Okay, that's Catholic teaching, by the way. I thought I just threw two cents well, in you're, there. You're,
0: precise, you're precisely right, Jesse, and it's a million dollars worth. It's not two cents worth. It's, it is the, the nexus of... Everything that that they have that is true comes through the Catholic Church. Yes. Um, Bottom bottom line, when you talk about heart, too, I think it's very interesting that that term has been co-opted modernly by the Charismatics and by others. Um, But for the ancient, when he talked about the heart, this was where the, the heart was, where the soul is attached to the body, that was the way the ancient would see it is, is the soul encompasses the body. It's not that the soul is within the body. It's the body is within the soul. Hmm. And so we, we, as a human uh, body, soul construct, the soul is greater. It's bigger. It's, it's more of more stature than the body and the, the soul encompassing the body. The body is within the soul and the soul is attached to the body at the heart. Also, the heart was the place of desires. It was the place of uh, essence. It was where your heart is, that's where you, you are in, in your thoughts, and your words, and your deeds. What do you desire at the deepest level? What, what is, um, how does your soul operate? So this ancient understanding, you can see that the soul, if the body grows too large, through overuse, through gluttony, through various sins and vicious behavior, now the soul diminishes, and so the body can occlude or grow bigger um, than the soul and diminish the soul. So the soul becomes held hostage by the flesh. Rightly ordered, the soul is the master
1: of the flesh. That's the whole argument that St. Paul makes in Romans chapter 7, that constant war that's happening between, he he calls, uh, you know, the, the the spirit and the body. And, uh, and and it's pretty simple. I, I tell people, who's going to win? The one that you feed the most. Pretty simple. Exactly. It's not that difficult. Exactly. Kyle, there's another section exactly. here. Exactly. This, this is a beautiful prayer, prayers and devotion to the precious blood of Jesus uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. This section is so rich. So this is one of those prayers you just want to take to the adoration chapel and spend a whole hour and saying it over and over and over again. Talk to us about this section. About I, I know this. You know the Bible tells us in the Book of Revelation chapter twelve. I think it's uh, verse nine and following. It says that that they shall defeat him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. All the and there's one verse after another in, in Pauline theology where he talks about the power of the blood. St. Paul just emphasizes the, the the power of the blood of Jesus to save us, to sanctify us, uh, to liberate us, everything the, the to rout demons out, uh, out of your presence. We even have, uh, you know, other post-communion prayers like the Anima Christi that talks about you know you're invoking the power of the blood of Jesus. Talk to us a little bit about the pre- you know Protestants sing a lot about the blood of Jesus, and I, I got to give them credit. You hear the Billy Graham choirs and, and such. They sing a lot about the blood of Jesus, Calvary Chapel, but only Catholics receive the actual blood of Jesus. We just don't sing about it we actually, and don't pray about it. We actually receive him. So talk to us about this section. I know I've heard you before and other people, Father Ripperger and others, talk about that the blood of Jesus has this particular power uh, to drive and torment demons away.
0: It absolutely does. Um, So a couple of observations about the precious blood is number one is it is all about sacrificial theology. The blood is the tangible substance that bears witness to his sacrifice more eloquently than anything else, because it is his life blood. It spills away drop by drop, bit by bit. And in, in that is what consummates the sacrifice is the absolute draining of the life blood that that force and so in sacrificial theology the blood is the most important component it is absolutely the most important component because you look at all of the imagery of blood with regard to the sacrifice painting the door of the lentils and then being sprinkled over the people so this is what conforms them and re- affirms them in the covenant relationship it is extremely important um, imagery. And so this first little prayer, this, it's an ejaculatory prayer. But the use of it by traditional Catholics is extremely important. Be mindful, O Lord, of thy creature, whom thou hast redeemed by thy blood. In short form, remember me, O Lord, thy creature, redeemed at the price of your precious blood. When would you say this? Jesse, you say this when the chalice is elevated at the consecration.
1: Ah, okay. when, the
0: host, when, the body, when the body is elevated, the traditional Catholic response was low and barely audible. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. And then we bow our head with the priest as he reverences the now consecrated host. And then as he elevates the chalice, we intone with our hands still over our chest. Remember me, O oh Lord. Redeemed at the price of your precious blood. Remember me a sinner. Redeemed at the price of your precious blood. This brings us into that covenant. This is the sprinkling of the blood. Modernly, the liturgists want to do everything they can to diminish the sacredness of the precious blood. So traditionally, Catholics did not receive the blood in the way they receive it. Reserved to solemnities, It would be given by intincture. And so the host would be dipped in the precious blood and then placed on the tongue at the altar rail of the lay faithful. Us in the United States, having the precious blood is an indult that became a norm. It was an experiment that was supposed to be ended in 1984. But it's now become the norm. We had an excellent opportunity to stop this practice as a result of COVID, but it's starting to come back in diocese, diocese by diocese. This, again, militates against the universality of the holy sacrifice of the Mass. There are some places where the Precious Blood, they insist on having four to six Eucharistic ministers, even at a daily Mass, that may only have 20 communicants.
1: Yeah, that's true. I've seen that. Uh, You're you're definitely not exaggerating. So
0: all of any time the blood is is mentioned, this is why it's such a bane to the diabolical. It's an absolute bane because they are those who would not make sacrifice to God. They would not yield. They would not accept their mission. And Jesus Christ accepted his mission even unto death the shedding of his blood to the point that it was gone. You cannot conform your will to God any more than, than Christ did. He, that's why he's that exemplar. And the blood is the, um, it is the absolute proof of that. We go into that next prayer, O oh Jesus. Again, the name at which every head shall bow, we start the prayer, O oh Jesus, who by reason of thy burning love for us has willed, to be crucified, and to shed thy most precious blood for the redemption and salvation of our souls. There's the sacrificial theology right there. And so it makes it hard for the man who thinks my wife doesn't understand me, and she just doesn't respect me. (laughs) St. Paul's words should ring in your ears. Have you shed, have you shed, have you had persecution under the shedding of blood? No, your, your feelings are hurt. So tell me (laughs) how bloody that is. Tell me. (laughs) <laughs> you know suck it up buttercup
1: hmm hey Kyle can the, can these prayers they're just not patriarchal prayers any any baptized can person can do these prayers it seems to me because they're the repertory I prayers bet- so they're they're building our relationship with God through Christ so it seems to me it's like any baptized Catholic can do these prayers correct
0: you're absolutely right Jesse and so there's a term we use for these and that's soul specific These are soul-specific prayers. The soul is, this is in our direct communication. And when is the time you say these prayers? When you think your husband's not doing an adequate job being spiritual leader of the house. When you think someone's (laughs) rejecting you. When you think you're disrespected. When you think your cross is too heavy. When you think you don't want to subject yourself to authority. That's the time to pray these prayers.
1: Yeah, that that part B, that prayer is so rich. I could just see doing that one over and over for an hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament. The one that you're going through right now, uh, yeah, actually part B. You've got a, a part C, D, E, F, G, a. so they're all different prayers, you know, invoking the Eternal Father but calling upon the blood of Jesus as well. And uh, so, so all these prayers are part of the what you said, soul-specific prayers. They're also repertory prayers. They can be done by all the baptized, and they help us build our relationship with God through Christ, correct?
0: That's precisely right. They're helping us perfect our sacrifice through vocation, and it's it's not about the behavior of others. It's about our behavior. It's about our interior disposition.
1: That's a great, great summary of all these prayers right here. Uh, and again, the powers and the blood of Jesus. That's the uh, I've heard... Uh, <clears throat> Fulton Sheen says that one drop of the blood of Jesus could have saved a thousand planet Earths over and over again and so uh, these are prayers that we have to soak in like we would in a, in, a, in a jacuzzi Kyle I hear the music that's a wrap we'll have to pick it up next time on uh, page 51 but uh, thanks a lot Kyle God bless you keep the faith go to Montecristo.org Montecristo.org to see all the lectures that Kyle has given all the apostolic works he's involved in so you can listen to his daily podcast MonteCristo As for us, dot we are EOW.net.net dot, 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 <laughs> dot net dot net dot net dot net dot <laughs> net Hey, that's a wrap. We're <laughs> EOW you. end of watch. God bless you guys. Keep the faith. Over and out. See you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. Up next, Gary Machuda. Stick around.